Welcome tonight. Glad to have you here. Middle of the week, we come for prayer, encouragement in our walk with the Lord. Tonight, we continue our series in Acts. So in Acts chapter 18, in the middle of this chapter, we will start at verse 12. Paul was ministering in the city of Corinth. He was given the gospel there. And as he was ministering to the Jews in the synagogue, some accepted and heard the gospel, listened to it and followed the gospel, believed in the gospel, and others rejected the gospel. And Paul made a, a comment after those who rejected the gospel. In verse 6 it says, When they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads, for I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And so, Paul is given the gospel in the synagogues to the Jews. And, uh, you know, he, in his thinking, my thinking as well, the Jews would, would um, they would accept this, this pure gospel, they would see the plan of God from the Old Testament scriptures all the way up until that point, and they would repent and turn to God, but they wouldn't, and they rejected the gospel. People are doing that today, and yet God is still gracious to allow the gospel to go out. God used that then for Paul to go out, instead of just ministering predominantly to the Jews in, in their community in the synagogue, he went out from there and he preached the gospel to all others. And uh, again, many of, of the people then received the gospel and Paul ended up staying there in the city of Corinth. You see in verse 11, he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Now, in staying there, Remember in verse 9, God told Paul, I want you to stay here, and um, I've given you some, some freedom, and you're not going to be attacked here, but stay here and preach the gospel. Paul had been attacked in many of the other cities. He had strong opposition to the gospel, but here, um, God was giving, <laughs> excuse me, giving him that freedom to preach the gospel. Look at verse 9. Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. All right, so that, that is a, a good response to the gospel, but that's not the only response. We often see people um, rejecting the gospel. Let's go on from verse 12 and see what happens as Paul continues ministering there. But when Gallio was proconsul of Archaea, uh, Archaea, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But well, since it is a matter of question about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the, from the tribunal. Now, this is important uh, to, to see what happened. 
they were trying to say that Paul's teaching was against the law and he shouldn't be allowed to do it. And um, the leader there, Gallio, his name is, says, no, this is not a matter of law at all. This is a matter of, of your teaching. You might not like what Paul is saying, but he's not permitted, uh, he, he's not uh, prohibited from speaking uh, according to the law. So don't try to bring the law into this if you don't like what he's saying. And so that's what happened. He refused to take the action that the Jews wanted him to take. But look what happens after that. Verse 17, they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. This is where Gallio is wrong now. It's because, yes, Paul had the freedom to present the gospel, and the Jews could accept or reject it without violating any law. But what they didn't have the right to do is to take this man and to beat him. And that's what they did. And Gallio looked the other way. And so oftentimes, uh, we see that happen in our own society. Um, people talk about freedom of religion. Um, but when Christians are being, being abused for, for their faith, that needs to be protected as well. That needs to be protected by the law. Um, it's, it's goofy in our corrupt system. We, have, we often have people protected. Um, we're often protecting uh, 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 people um, who stand for evil and not protecting people who stand for good. I could give you examples of that if you wanted to, to know. But let's go on in, in what he's saying here. Look at verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sinstri, he had, to, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And he came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if, God's will, if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After, after spending some time there, he departed went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Verse 24, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When he visited, excuse me, when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So we see, what we see here is Paul um, focusing the gospel towards the Gentiles, and uh, we see some of the, the growth that comes out of that. And one of the things that comes out of that is this young man named Apollos, um, who is a very skilled person in the scriptures, even though um, Aquila and Priscilla had to give him some good instruction. Um, 
he was a man who was gifted, and God used that gift to, to speak the gospel um, to several individuals. And so um, we'll see more interaction with him and set up in Acts chapter 19 as we go on. Let me just make a, a few points here as we talk about the gospel going on and as we talk about you know, praying that the gospel would, would be ministered powerfully um, in our lives. Uh, we've seen this happen in several instances. The gospel is often opposed, and yet God wants us to continue and be persistent in standing for and living out and preaching the gospel where he places us. So he wants us to keep on doing that um, regardless of the, the opposition that we might face. Um, we, we can also see God's overall plan, and we can thank God for that plan um, to give the gospel out to those, um, not only to Jews, but to Gentiles as well, all those who aren't Jews. God is, has his plan to give the gospel uh, and, and to allow the gospel to be heard and believed on by them. And so we, we praise God for that, and we continue to, to work um, in that ministry. There are times when um, um, government um, stands to protect um, the rights of believers, and there's times when they ignore the rights and look the other way. And we see that happening in Paul's time as well. But we need to be, uh, we just need to, to keep on keeping on. We need to continue. Um, living out and, and preaching that gospel where God gives us that opportunity. What does that look like personally for you? Um, are you looking for opportunities to speak the gospel um, to, to those who you may come in contact with? Are you asking God for wisdom uh, to, to open your eyes, to, to let you see um, how he wants you to present the gospel? I was talking to my wife the other day, and she, you know, you know about her job and some of the opportunities. And one thing she said to me, it caught my attention. She says that she doesn't always um, speak or give the gospel out to everyone she comes in contact with uh, because God doesn't always give her that opportunity. She allows the Holy Spirit to direct her. And there's, there's moments and there's times and there's circumstances when God allows that to happen. And you look for that. So I'm asking you, are you open uh, are God giving you the discernment to see that when that happens and then do you have the boldness and a desire to use those circumstances to give out the gospel when God puts you in that situation so that um, you can speak um, to others God is putting you in a place he's putting you in contact with individuals look to him for wisdom and discernment as to the right opportunities and then to speak the truth of God into their lives. People need to know the gospel. Um, you know, you can tell them uh, how they can further their education. You can tell them how they can uh, run a business and, and, and be financially well off. You can tell them how to make investments. You can tell them a lot of things, but none of those things will get them in right relationship with God. None of them will get them in heaven. You can speak to them the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. Pray to God to open doors, open opportunities, and open your eyes to see those opportunities and give you the boldness and the strength to minister the gospel to people when you have that opportunity.
Oh, one thing I want to mention. Um, next week, um, we will have um, Stephan and Robin are coming here um, on Wednesday with the baby, with the little Isaiah. Um, they are looking to, to go on to the place that God has opened the door for ministry for them in China. And so they'll be going there at the end of this month. So it's kind of happening very quickly. And before they left to go out of, out of state, uh, they wanted to come and, and fellowship with us and just share with us informally about how, how God has opened the door for them to do that. So they're going to be here. Um, they're not going to speak in, in any kind of public sense, but they'll be here amongst us next Wednesday. And so uh, um, you get the opportunity to share with them. Uh, let's take the opportunity to do that. Several of us have, uh, have pledged to support them. You may be one of them. I praise God if you have. Uh, we haven't done that as a church yet, um, but individually we've done that. And so um, look forward to them coming a week from today, next, next Wednesday. Praise God. For meditation, we're going to be continuing through the book of Hebrews. One of the things that we talked about last time is when you read the book of Hebrews, in some ways, the, the writing of it, it connects almost like the writer is having a conversation with. And he is, right? Because the writer of all scriptures is the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I love about the scripture is, is that it reforms our minds and helps us to understand what God wants us to think. I think oftentimes we have our own way of thinking. And we have to be kind of twisted to fit in God's box. And if we are not careful, we can sometimes try to twist God's thinking to fit in our box. And so when you meditate on the scripture, a lot of times you have to confess not just sins, but you have to confess your willingness to hold on to your own ideas. Okay? And I do this a lot. What a lot of times, especially when I'm preparing a sermon, it's amazing how what I first write and what I end up preaching are way different things. And it's because when you first start, you just kind of write idea of what you want to preach. But as you start to go through the scripture, you start to see your idea wasn't going to work. And this part need to be tweaked. And this part was the core of it was okay, but this and this is wrong. And when you start, if you do that process right, what you would start to do is realize that even when I think things that are generally good, it's not what God wants me to preach. And that's a hard lesson because a lot of us, we want to be able to say what we feel. And in society, we have a strong um, desire to just say whatever we feel is on our heart. That's not what scripture wants us to do. Scripture wants us to form our thoughts by God's thoughts. And so, as you think about the book of Hebrews, 
what's hard about the book of Hebrews is that it's not dealing with the most simple of subjects, right? He's dealing with things that are sometimes deep and things that are sometimes simple. In verse chapter 6, verse 19, he says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he says, we have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And why would the soul need an anchor? It's because our minds can drift, right? We can drift. We can get caught up so quickly into Satan's schemes. It's, it's amazing how quickly you can get caught up in Satan's schemes. Literally, all it could take is your kid waking you up in the night at the wrong hour, Right? You could literally drop a pencil and a thought pop in your head that if it was a word, you'd have to censor. The littlest things could start to make us wander and that's where we have to be humble. We gotta say, dude, I need an anchor. That's why I read God's word. I don't read God's word because I'm good. I read God's word because I'm not. And as we meditate, and that's why we come to church, that's why we set these things. If you think about it, when you set your week to come to church, when you set your week to come to Sunday school, you set an anchor point, right? You saying to the people, you saying to yourself, I need to be anchored at this time. I will get astray if I didn't come to Sunday school. And guess what? You will. And I come to Sunday morning, and the reason I come and I'm involved is because it puts an anchor to my soul. If I got to teach in Sunday school, guess what? I got to study. And guess what? I don't always feel like studying. Sometimes I look at the Bible just like anybody else look at it. Oh, man. I got to read a few chapters today. Everybody is not always happy to do God's will, including myself. But sometimes you got to just sit there and look at it and say, man, I have to do God's word. That's what the anchors are for. I got to teach on Thursday. I got a Bible study in my house on Thursday. You guys are all welcome to come. It's a good time because it's an anchor for the soul. I have to go through the scripture. I have to teach others. And you know what? I can't be a hypocrite. Sometimes I think to myself when I want to do something wrong. Well, what if they was thinking that you was a teacher of God? What if people knew you wanted to be a pastor and you was thinking that? You have to be and establish those anchors for the soul. But who is that anchor? We have an anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What's that inner place? That place is where God is. Who enters that place? That's Jesus. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. We often want to go to God, but the path to God is closed to us. There are many people out there who are reaching out towards God. And they're reaching out towards God and things that are vain. So they search after, there's no kids in here, so we can say it bluntly. They search after for drugs, for sex, for video games. Sometimes they don't even want to hear the voice of doubts in their mind, so they drown themselves out with music, entertainment, watching their latest show, working hard on a job. Some of the things are good, right? They get more educated. They work out harder. They get successful, but at the end of the day, do they have the answers? 
if you're not tied to Jesus, who's the forerunner on our behalf, where are you going? And he's our high priest. It talks about the fact that this, we don't have a right to talk to God if it wasn't for Jesus. It's one of the things that now that I think about it more, I understand why I've never liked when people come on award ceremonies and say I thank God. Because they don't have a right to thank God. They don't have a right to say anything to God. They don't have a right to say his name because they don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you have no right. You know if people tried to come into the temple and they had no right to be there, God would kill them without a thought. When God had the Ark of the Covenant and people would walk by it, one man just tried to touch it and he wasn't authorized and he died. And we always think, man, that's kind of random. Why would God do that? But the thought is this, you cannot approach God unless God has given you the right to approach him. I remember one day I was walking out, I was in my car and somebody started to approach me and they wanted to ask for money. I said, don't come no closer, back off he didn't have a right to approach him. But that's how God is towards us. It's not something that you can just do because you want to. You can't just clean yourself up and just go walking into God. That's an offense to God. That's like showing up at the White House dirty. No. If you're going to approach God, you have to approach him in the manner in which he says he must be approached. And the only way he could be approached is if you are introduced by Jesus himself. So I thank God for his word. Let's, in our time of meditation, let's let it reform our minds. Let's let it change our attitudes. Let's let go of hostilities or bitterness or anger. Sometimes, in some places, we need to engender anger for God's causes because we meditate. We need to give up our old allegiances. We need to think about God first and put our thoughts second. Amen. Good evening, everybody. I get to do two parts, so I'm going to take my time. Um, it's too bad that Lawrence isn't here because um, obviously he got the job at the rescue mission, so I have to praise God for that. Um, oh, there he be. There he be. Um, but what that made me think about is um, you can definitely see in this church how God is using the men and the women in this church to minister at that rescue mission. We have a lot of our um, members here that are helping out. Either they're working there, part of the job, or they're volunteering time there. And what was making me think about it, too, is how important that is becoming this day and age with what our mission is as reaching men and as offshoot of that as men and their families and being man roles in the house. But I was listening to the radio this week, and they were talking about just this issue with how our society is attacking men how it has been an attack on men. And, the, and one of the commentators actually said a very important point that I never thought about. He said, it's not surprising these days that you see this rise in this transgenderism where men are trying to be women. Because the men has been attacked so much that they're saying that they're seeing that the power is for the woman. And if they act like a woman, and then, then they get power back. And it actually makes sense, you know, because you've got, you've got a man that says he's a woman, and then he gets heralded for that. And he gets praised for that. And he gets special rights that no one else gets. 
that he gets to go into a woman's locker room. You know, he, all of a sudden he starts getting more power than he would have had before because our society has always been attacking this idea of what it is to be a man. You know, and it's funny because he also is saying that because we're attacking what it is to be a man, we belittle women even more at the same time. And it just reminds me of, of that, some of the other offshoot of what our mission is. So what I want to do is I want to pray for what we are doing with our mission and what we are doing at the rescue mission and the, how God is using us to be a ministry in that area and how it is very much needed. And I think it, as the days to come, we know where the, the world wants to take this. And we know that, that Satan is using this as a way to attack the church, and it's only going to get worse. And it's only going to be more need for our churches to stand up. So we'll just have like two people pray for those two things. Um, one person can pray for the rescue mission side. One person can kind of pray for our mission as a church. And then I'll close this up. Lord, we just lift up the mission of this church and our mission to minister to men and grow men and um, minister to men to be a godly man and a godly man in their family and to minister to their families in that way. I said you continue to grow this ministry and grow this mission and um, continue to use us um, to further those ends and use us in our society where um, manhood is under attack and the definition of manhood is under attack and um, as this world just continues to move towards ungodliness, we know that the attack is on your godly principles, and the attack is on you, but it's just a different way, different angle to attack your people and attack your statutes and your truth. We ask that you continue to use the men in this church and the women in this church at the rescue mission and um, just in our society as we continue to minister to those people and minister to the people that don't know what it is to be a godly man and um, the families that require a godly man that they may not be a part of their family or families that are struggling um, we ask that you just continue to use us continue to use us in these areas and um, continue to just grow our influence knowing that that's our mission and we can see that ever since we have set that as our mission you continue to use us in that means and continuing to place us in the rescue mission really helping people who are at their lowest. Um, we ask that you just continue to do a mighty work through your people. In your name we pray. Amen. All righty. Um, we will do prayer requests. I, while you guys are thinking of your requests, I'll kind of start off. Um, continue to pray for me about it, my job. Um, I have two very important meetings this week, one tomorrow, one Friday. Um, they really are doing some really strange things with um, changes that they're trying to make that can really affect my hours and kind of the role I have there. Um, so it could be the next interesting couple days, but um, one of the things is I think it's good there because I'm one of the few people that will stand up and say something when a lot of the other trainers won't, and they'll just go with the flow. And I think sometimes when people see my boldness, it emboldens them a little bit more, but also at the same time, there's things that need to be said. So um, continue to just keep me in prayer at that. Um, Maybe next Wednesday I'll have a little bit more update, but um, could
could affect some of my employment status, so we'll see. <laughs> um, who else has uh, prayer requests? Praise God for that. I think that's a big testimony that, that our church is doing. I think it's a testimony for you that, you know, that they, they thought of you and the things that you've been doing. So, praise God for that. That's a great praise. Sounds about right for Aurora. Up and going to prayer. <laughs> <laughs> 